This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on The Fan. You just heard Earl discussing this in our update. Steven Strasburg did not report to spring training with the other Nats pitchers and catchers. Strasburg, a setback after a recent bullpen session. Dave Martinez just met with the media and said he is back in D.C. There is no timetable to get him to West Palm Beach. Strasburg continuing to come back from thoracic outlet surgery. Uh, This TOS procedure that he had in 2021 is just being a, a nightmare for him. For a guy with a lot of mileage that's already had other injuries as well, you know, you, you hate to use words like finality and, and things like that, but you don't have a great track record, folks, coming back from that. Someone, you know, a younger pitcher, Cole Henry uh, of, the, of the Nationals had the surgery as well, but he's he's 22 years old, so you still hope that there's a, a road back for him that's going to take a little while, but somebody with Strasburg's history, and you just, you keep, he keeps ramping up the try, he threw a second bullpen which is more than I thought we'd get at this time of year. I'm not trying to be flipping. I, I really did. I thought they would rest for months and months and months. And, you know, that second bullpen, that same tingle, the same discomfort. Yeah, the first bullpen session felt great, according to Davey. And then his second is where he had the trouble. Uh, referred to a nerve issue as the problem, which is continuation from the TOS. Now, you mentioned Cole Henry, much younger. Supposedly, he's felt great. When he's throwing, he feels no ramifications. There's a prospect who was in the Brewer system. I saw pitch in the Futures game last year. Who got traded to the Rangers, who right now is having a lot of success in the minor leagues. A couple of years after thoracic outlet surgery, um, he's 23. Mm-hmm. Had the procedure done, I think, when he was 20. So, you know, that's a whole different world and ball game than probably what Strauss is dealing with. But you, every time you hear about Strasburg, it yep. comes along with setback or something not going right. Mm-hmm. And thank God for 19, because he's going to be now able to get his flowers that he deserves in D.C. sports for the career that he had as the World Series MVP and helping to put the team on his back throughout October. But since then, it has been a complete nightmare. That contract, by the way, seven years and $245 million. Gosh. This is year four. Right? Yeah. They have three more years after this one on this seven and two forty five. So for people that say, Well, Strauss should just retire. Why doesn't he just retire? Would you? I wouldn't. Tell you right now. You gonna leave hundred million dollars on the table that you're gonna get if you don't retire and if you just kinda keep trying to come back and rehabbing as much as you can and pitching on the side, and if you feel a tingle, you shut it down for a few months? I'm not leaving all that money on the table. Yeah, I'll exercise professionally. I mean, that's really what I'm doing for 35 mil a year. Sign me up. I mean, it stinks. He wants to pitch. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah, you think he'd rather pitch? I bet he would. But 
It's killer, man. We're at a point with Steven Strasburg, and this is not new. We didn't arrive here today. This has been since last year, and we've talked about this on the show. If he ever pitches in a major league game again, it's going to be a, a, a stunning, awesome thing, I would say. And then I would tack on to that. If he ever pitches really well consistently at the major league level again, it's going to be a story that we should do a documentary on. I'd lose every cent. I'd lose all the, all the money on that. So fingers are crossed. You hope he can somehow get back to the big leagues and continue his career, but it just doesn't look good. The longer this goes on yeah. and the more he deals with setbacks that keep him from being Steven Strasburg. But that's your update from West Palm Beach as the Nats just got to camp today without Strauss. Uh, we're talking Chase Young right now, and the question we've been asking is, could this still end well with him in Washington? What would that look like, Danny? The the happy ending we're talking about yeah. or the, the turnaround, the renaissance to his career, the, the rebirth to getting back to him, being the prospect he once was? Look into the crystal ball. What would that mean? So I've sort of – tell me what you think about this. I've eliminated the – what everyone thought he was going to be. The Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, take over the game style defender that could that could approach 20 sacks in a given season. Right? I've taken that off the table. Every year, and there are certain years where this is this varies to a degree. Like 2020, for example, there are only a handful. But most years, there are between 10 and 20 guys that get double-digit sacks. This year, there were way more, by the way, uh, because Philadelphia had like five of them in their own right, but the way the passing game has been in recent memory. If Young is in that group, you're just you're now part of the the upper half, right? The every team worth worth its salt on defense or that's able to rush the passer has a guy that can be a double digit sack guy. I know sacks aren't the end all be all, but they're a result of a process of, of consistent pressure, hitting a quarterback, tackles for loss, winning against your uh, against your offensive player or, or players that are blocking you. If he's a double digit sack guy this year. And you see some of those things. You know them when you watch other teams play. You see those moves. You see that that time where a, a defensive end, if you spotlight Dwight Freeney for an entire half, he's doing the same thing seven times. The eighth time, he set you up those other seven times, and there comes that spin move when he gets you leaning one way, right? If you see those things when you're spotlighting him, then you go, you know what? They bet against him by not extending him, by not giving him that uh, that extra year. They were wrong. Let's start talking about coming to the negotiating table. And he might take it personally and want to leave, and that's fine. That's his prerogative. But it makes – it changes your eye line again if he's not replacement level or if he's better than that. If he's, again, in that upper half of the league in terms of pass rushers. And you'll know it when you see it. Yeah, I just think that it would mean he becomes their best defensive player, that he is wrecking games. That stardom – that we once envisioned the TJ Watt Von Miller level of production, I think is gone. I, I am past that. Yeah. It would be amazing. I mean, it, anything is possible, I guess, but I'm not expecting, wanting, looking forward to, hoping for that. That that is a pipe dream to me. I want him to become Ryan Kerrigan. That's what I want. I want him to become Brian Arakpo, essentially. Go get me nine sacks. Be, become Montez Sweat, for God's sake. Like, just get back to Chase Young rookie year stuff. And I think that's a win for this season. If he does that, they got a really tough decision to make, though. Like, how does that go? If he is somewhere in the middle of the 12 or more sacks star campaign and what he's been the last couple years as completely disappointing based on health and, and whatever else, and he just goes out and has like eight and a half sacks, 
I think that gets really complicated as to what you yes, do. Yes, it does. Because what's his market? I mean, you might be willing to pay him $15 million a year or something like that, and I guess someone potentially could swoop in and say twenty, and I would probably let him walk I'd if say that's fairly the case. well. Yeah, I would. I, I mean, I need to see that because you, you can find eight. It's harder to find 12. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, I'm not saying it's easy. They don't grow on trees, but – there are a bunch of guys in this league, like Danico Autry and, and Trey Hendrickson had eight this year. None of those guys are world beaters. If you find someone that rushes enough times who'll be around, you'll get eight sacks. That time you let him walk. Chris, DC, what's up? Hey, hey, everything, I agree with everything you're saying about why they shouldn't give it to him. So I guess I wouldn't. But me just, you know, we know how this league is. It's like, and this is wrong, by the way, but it's kind of like popularity slash following trends kind of thing. And I just believe that they will. So you think you they're think going coming. to essentially – I mean, I, another way to say what you're saying, I think, is they took him number two overall. It would be a pretty bad look. It, you know, he, he was a superstar right. at Ohio State. He was the second pick in the draft. He was a pro bowler as a rookie. And so you don't have much of a choice is kind of what you're saying. Yes, and I, yes, I believe especially Rivera, he he cares about that type of stuff. Like, you know, a lot of coaches or front offices would take the heat and just do it, and you know, not give him the the, the fifth year option. But I don't believe he will. I think he's gonna give it to him. Appreciate you, buddy. So I do agree with him that Rivera cares a lot about the perception image, image. Mm-hmm. of the team and the front office and his decisions, and I think he pays attention to what people are saying, and sometimes I would even say they make decisions based on what is being told and said about them. I do think that's true, as crazy as that sounds. What I don't know, though, and you can also hear that as my speculation is, is Ron Rivera really a chase young guy? I'm not so sure about that. Again, heard differently. I'm not sure. I don't think Ron Rivera is a chase young guy. He has challenged him about maturity a few times over. Now, at some point, they drafted him, and obviously Ron was. But I, And I give Rivera a lot of credit here. He was the first one on the scene in a lot of ways talking about Chase Young's uh-huh. maturity. maturity. We didn't know what it meant. We didn't know he was talking specifically about Chase. We found out in time. But I think Rivera deserves some credit for seeing this. I don't know if that was work habits or that was not showing up for OTAs or that was, you know, whatever he was doing that, he, that Rivera thought, the number two overall pick was about to be a star shouldn't be doing. Yeah, he had a whoa-oh moment. He kind of did the, hey, we've been reading our press clippings. We're celebrating. We haven't arrived yet. We need to buckle down. And we all kind of thought that was a strange comment. And before long, it ended up in in Mike Silver, his good buddy who worked for the team at the Times, WashingtonFootballTeam.com story about Chase Young from yeah. Ron Rivera. That's who he was talking about. So th- those aren't the comments you make when you're sure about a guy or when, you, when you're definitely going to give him that extra option. I- I'd want to know, what does Del Rio think of Chase Young? The defense has been at its best at times when guys like James Smith-Williams are just doing what JDR wants. Uh-huh. You know, when when you've got a, a William Bradley King type dude, you plug in and you don't fall off substantially. That's weird. That that's, But coaches don't really care where you were drafted all the time. A guy like Jack Del Rio doesn't care who was number two and who went in the seventh round. Who runs my system better? Mm -hmm. So I would just love to give them some truth serum and ask them about Chase Young. Same here. Again, it's it's hard to 
pinpoint exactly what we're talking about here. But if you guys are able to kind of put emotion aside for a second, if you're a fan of the player or the team or otherwise, you know what we mean, right? There's just this cloud. There's this negative thing where the, they weren't on the same page with when he was coming back or how, and it was weird that they didn't initially, remember initially they, they said that the, the player's camp or, or I forget the exact terminology didn't want people to know how severe the injury was. And then it was really important that everyone did know that. And you guys don't understand and we get it. And everything about it, this thing has been weird. Whether the, at, at best they're talking past each other at worst, there's a bit of discord and there's not a great feeling about the player where everybody's waiting. I mean, when you're whooping it up and running down the field and touching Taylor Heineke on the back and pointing to his jersey yelling, Heineke, it's adorable and precious, right, when it happens in the postseason game. When that's all you're doing and you're Instagram yelling and you're, you know, you're you're sort of publicly showing how important it is to you, whereas privately maybe it's not happening the same way. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm just trying to put two and two together here. All of a sudden that act wears a little bit thin. Right when you're when you're doing the the Instagram workout as opposed to the regular one. And again, I have no idea. I'm sure he lifted all the weights and did all the rehab and ran what he, ran how he's supposed to. I'm just saying you're looking at productivity that isn't there. So all of a sudden that act that like big gregarious. I'm I'm the leader. Well, no, you're not. John Allen is. You're not the most productive defensive end. That's Montez Sweat. You're being you're comparable now with seventh rounders and undrafted free agents that are just kind of playing assignment sound and being in the right spot. That's not what you're supposed to be. Kevin, Arlington, what's good? Hey, guys. So you've pretty much gone through uh, all the reasons you, uh, in good conscience, cannot extend him uh, or pick up that fifth-year option. And for people that are just jumping in their car, that was the original question Was we, we were saying, you know, is he going to turn his career around? But they do have a decision to make. The deadline is May 1st, and they'd have to pick up $17.5 million as a, as an option for him in year five which would be a $7.5 million raise after this season. And, and you simply cannot do that for all the reasons uh, previously mentioned. I, I, I would like to just say one thing. My God, the first-round picks out of Ohio State for this franchise from 19 and 20, oh, my God. I mean, it's just incredible how those have so far been a disaster. So to me, the only way you salvage this is you get – Chase healthy, hungry, and he starts playing well in whatever role we have him in in September and October so that you can flip him. I mean, I, I, I do not think he is what we really want moving forward. He's proven to be immature. He's proven to not follow the scheme. He's proven to not necessarily train the way they want him to train in the building or, or in the offseason. He has not added technique. I mean, you can go on and on to what the liabilities have been, if he plays well, I would flip him as soon as I can. Because, again, they have so many other D-line assets they have to consider. They're going to you know, probably franchise Payne. And we'll see if Mathis gets healthy and, and we let Payne go in a year and Mathis steps in. Or maybe not. you got to extend, um, you know, Montez. There's just so many assets that were probably over-invested in the D-line. You can't keep them all. And Chase is giving you ample reason to question uh, moving forward with him, I'm just hoping, again, he can be a credible contributor in the fall and that we could possibly flip him for something valuable. Well, I always wonder when a coach questions a player's maturity, that, that is a, a code for something, right? It, it's a whistle for something. And what is he getting at? What makes you mature? 
acting as a professional. What does that mean? That's being there early and staying late. That's coming to practice and, and bringing your lunch pail and all those things. So when you get called out by your coach for your maturity, those are non-playing issues that he's taking with you. That always worries me. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I don't like to um, to do too much speculating, and so we don't need to. But that's a reality, that that happened, that Ron Rivera has questioned Chase Young's maturity. That's not only having one and a half sacks in two years. That's not you know rehab or being injured. That's something that he was doing or wasn't doing that the coach was bothered by or some element of how he was carrying himself. Those are the types of things that always kind of have my antenna go up because it's just one of those phrases that coaches can say that are weighted, that have meaning, and we're not privy to what they actually mean. Now, it might just be as simple as not showing up at OTAs. That's all it might mean. Could be that. But it could be a lot of different things. I've never once in my entire time around football had a coach question a player's maturity because they just act like a pro and they're a great leader and they're in the building doing all the right things. Like, that's normally not the way that that questioning starts. John's in Herndon. What's up, John? Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, I want to come from a different perspective, which is you know the speculation that a sale might be happening soon. And this kind of is a comment that also could play for Derek Carr. You know, in a big multi-billion dollar deal, a guy who's going to buy is going to ask the management to freeze all major transactions. And I know the timing for Chase Young is May 1st, but still $7 million raise for, yeah, as you guys have put it quite well. I mean, he's, he's not a journeyman defense, but he's not the superstar defense either. So I would have thought that all major strategic decisions are going to put on hold by, you know, the due diligence team that says if we get the offer made and we, we buy the team, everything's open for interpretation. No big deals, please. It's a sharp call. It's a complicating factor for sure, right? We talked say. about this yeah. with Biennemi a little bit yesterday. Yeah. Like, if you're bringing in Biennemi, you're giving him a raise from what he makes in Kansas City, and based on how long he's been doing it and the success that they've had, he has to be paid, I would say, handsomely on the OC scale already. So you're giving him more money than that. Are they even able to pull that off? For what it's worth, if you buy what Rivera's selling, he did say recently in a couple of different interviews during his radio tour at the Super Bowl that he has no restrictions from Dan Snyder and Tanya Snyder this offseason on what they're able to spend. And he was saying this will be business as usual. I don't happen to believe that'll be the case only because it has nothing to do with Rivera not telling the truth or anything. It's just that's not how sales work. When you're selling something, you're not adding money to it. It's just common sense. Can you go get the enemy? I would think you could. I don't think that's a deal breaker. A couple million bucks here or there. But... Are they going to go get Derek Carr at $38 million? I would say no. Yeah, you're not going to do a six- to seven-year transaction locking you into tens of millions of dollars per season in all likelihood. He's Danny. I'm Grant. You're listening to The Fan. At some point this hour, I want to play the uh, Sean Payton audio from the Super Bowl last week where he was talking about the commanders as a juggernaut organization and a pillar of the NFL at one point and how far they've fallen because it actually got me to thinking about you know, when they get a new owner – how many people might want to be a part of this thing and how they could be really cool again really quickly. Uh, we'll do that soon here on G&D on The Fan.
Taking you up to 6.30 tonight on Grant and Danny. You are listening to the fan. The Chiefs parade this afternoon in Kansas City looked like a good time. I no longer have the same animus I once did when I watched parades because I've been in uh, and around a couple now. We got two. We got to go see the Caps celebrate their Stanley Cup. We got to see the Nats have a party based on the World Series. And so I my envy will always exist. I always want to be the team that wins the championship. But my animosity has certainly dwindled when I watch these highlights. For a long time, silly as it sounds, I would longingly watch these parades and say to myself, you know, what must that be like? What does that feel like? What is it like in that city today? And now I know. And it is the equivalent of having you know, had the drink that I'm craving and now I want it again. Uh-huh. It's getting my wanna, lips on the water fountain. So I don't know what's better, like to never have experienced it or now that I have, knowing that I need to experience that drug, that feeling again. But I, I will say I can now watch parades without hate watching. As long as it's still spread out enough. Like I can't do another Boston parade. We're like, I'm here now with Teddy. Teddy, how old are you? I'm 14. I've been to 52 different parades. My fourth favorite was the Red Sox fourth one. Like, I, enough of that. I can't have that. Enough of them. But everybody else, yeah, spread them around as long as it's not NFC's teams. Boston hasn't won in a little while, I feel like. It's been like a, a tremendous drought. A few them. months or something. Yeah. What's going on with them? I think they're, I'm hoping they enter like a hundred years of darkness, sports-wise. Where would you most want to be doing a radio show this offseason? Kansas City, where they just won the Super Bowl. They've got Mahomes and Reed. Maybe they're bringing in a new OC or promoting from within or whatever. And they are hosting the NFL draft, lest we forget. Oh, that ain't bad. They are hosting the NFL draft this offseason. Or Chicago, which is actually my catbird seat. Because I think the Bears have the most fun. They have the most money to spend by far. So much intrigue around them in the draft. The cap space that they've got. Their wallet is George Costanza style with just bills falling everywhere out of their pockets as they walk down the street. They also have the number one pick in the draft. And as if that wasn't enough, they have a massive debate going on in their city as a sports debate as to whether or not they should use the number one pick on a great quarterback or keep Justin Fields, draft something else, other position, or keep Justin Fields, trade back, and get all of the draft picks. You have money. You have a pick. You have quarterback turmoil. You have a a conversation as to whether or not Fields is the guy. You're on the clock at number one. Pretty good time to be so doing much what intrigue. we do in Chicago. Oh, so much intrigue there in Chicago. Danny Parkins Paulson over here wishing I was hosting afternoon just, drives. Just programming out right. there in Chicago right now. Cubs actually spent money this offseason. Yes, They're they going to be better. White Sox have taken on a little water, I would say. they were. Remember when they were exciting last year and then everyone was hurt 9,000 times? Well, they just made a terrible hire with Tony La Russa. That Why team would you was, say he's a terrible hire? It just completely irresponsible. <laughs> they, they gave the, him the keys to a Ferrari when he, he shouldn't have his driver's license, and, and they just... Okay, Tony, once around the cul-de-sac, okay, put it in park. <laughs> that was unacceptable. Yeah. They, they gave him a World Series caliber team over two years, and he just kind of drove the car. He backed out and hit a tree, and then he just you know drove a car into a mailbox, and... It was terrible what happened there. But uh, they still got some good things brewing, man. It's not a bad time to be in Chicago unless you're a Blackhawks fan. How, how does that work, by the way? Do they talk about both teams equally? The the Cubs and the, you know, any kind of city that has yeah. two teams in the same sport? I think they definitely talk about both teams. I don't think it's equally. 
So first and foremost, I would imagine you got multiple sports stations in those towns. Absolutely. And then your 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 radio rights probably dictate terms. So in other words, mm. the score, which is the equivalent of us, is a Cubs station. And I would ima- imagine they're singing, Go Cubs, go! Hey Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are gonna win today. And then like the worst sports station probably has the White Sox, and so they're breaking down, you know, what's going on with... Uh, all, all of their Michael Kopik in the rotation and his velocity, but I don't think you ignore it. You know, they both have the Bulls, they both have the Blackhawks, they both have the Bears, right. and then I think you also talk about the White Sox have won seven in a row, whatever. But you major in the Cubs for sure, and then New York, that gets real hard because I don't know what you do there in New York. They they do both. Like it's it's Mets, it's Yankees, it's Jets, it's Giants. You're spinning the hits, uh, but. Nets and Knicks. What a lovely situation that is. Yeah, and and it's weird because some people like, you know, it's normally Mets, Jets, Nets, or whatever. Yep. But like they, they like a whole collection of teams that, that the other people don't. But the cool thing they have there in that situation, I would say, is you don't not want to hear about the other one. I don't think. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Like if you're a Giants fan, when 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 they start breaking down the Jets and screaming about Zach Wilson, I don't think that's a a turnoff for you. You're not hitting the button. But I would yeah, there's nothing else like gotta, that. You're, you're like taking your lead. You're always trying to get back to home base. You know, whatever this, that story of the day is. Your 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 toe is going back to the the expanded bag bag now, which is larger, three inches larger. But yeah, I think you got to multitask. But again, it must be nice in that market too. It must be very nice. Must be incredibly nice here in the nation's capital. We've got a hockey team that hopefully will make the playoffs. That is very good, but they're without most of their best players right now as they're clinging to the final playoff spot. Outdoor game this weekend will be fun. It'll be fun. The basketball team is just so irrelevant. Is that okay to say? Yeah, because it's correct. I mean, people just don't seem to care about anything that they do. And there's some of us that they do. And when you, the, but you, do you really? Yeah, but you. Well, here's what happens: you care you, so much less now. Well, I do. I've been I've been turned off. But I you would not say that. I wouldn't say it either. No, hold on, coach. Let me the clarify. Pink sweater that did it. No, is it wasn't that, that specifically. It was? It's a it, that's a piece of kindling. It's basically when you you start to go, okay, well, maybe I see the vision. Yeah, it makes sense. And then they're the nine seed again. You know what I mean? Like it's like you start. Well, maybe maybe for true with the big three. May- then you see it. Yeah. Right, coach. You see what ends up happening. So they're 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 forever away. It's an important clarification. Like losing is not bad necessarily. It's losing with no purposes. L- losing without a purpose that leads to disinterest and apathy. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, but. The and, then, commander, and then the Nats. The Commanders pick 16th. They do, which are in the middle. Smack dab in the middle, meaning they were the most average you could possibly be in the NFL. They literally went out of their way to make sure they finished average. You can't be more mediocre than they were. Odd uh, number of games? Watch this. Still yep. 500. 8 8 yep. one. Very limited. You could say that about the Commanders for the better part of a couple of decades. And as you said, the Nationals, man. It's day one. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. Should be so fun to just go through all the moves and the acquisitions and who's here and new faces and new places. Close your eyes for me. Just quick exercise. Jamer Candelario, get me fired up. You and me sitting right by that little fence, right outside the Nats clubhouse. Trevor Williams striking out the side. No, 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 no. Don't do that to yourself. Dominic Smith just laid out and made a stop at first base. No, he didn't, Grant. Okay. I'm sorry. 2019 is the year. Yeah, it's warm. That was fun. You and me wearing polo shirts. Okay. Spring training? Spring training. Mm, we're just yeah. we're by, by that fence. It's about 15 feet from the door. We're under the tent. I'm still somehow getting a lot of sun, 
even though I'm under a tent? It's still we're still burning. Yeah, yeah. we just finished talking to Davey. Mike Rizzo stopped by after the commercial during Anthony the commercial Rendon, break. Remember that guy? Of course, Rizzo's having a coffee, Juan telling Soto, us about guys. Trey Turner us. says what's up, yep. and we look over. We hear the sound first, the sound of a grunting, efforting, pissed off Max Scherzer throwing his first bullpen. The good old days. The the ball hisses on its way to the plate. The pop of that glove. It's not, they put tinfoil on that glove for that pop? No, that's just arm side run and velo. For a guy that's pissed off he didn't execute the pitch in spring training with a bunch of rookies and teenagers floating about on, on backfields. Max Scherzer efforting his way through a bullpen before running pole after pole after pole after pole and doing calisthenics. Those are the days. Gone. The best of days. Gone. We could do the same thing this year. No. We could we could go down to spring training and Paolo Espino is grunting off in the distance. Paolo Espino throws it. And now the catcher catches it. No, no, no. Here, here I got it. Ready? <laughs> Paolo Espino winds, kicks his leg, and fires. Taken for ball two. <laughs> it just takes a while to get there. How does that affect the pitch clock? And the Nationals. What happened, Charlie? Do not score. Yeah. You see Todd McShay's mock draft today. I haven't seen it yet. No. So we got a little 2023 mock draft from McShay. First round mock prediction here. We got quarterbacks off the board at one, two, and again in the top 10 at number seven to the Vegas Raiders. So here's your quarterback situation. Bryce Young goes number one to the Colts who trade up with the Bears. Number two, the Texans stay put and get C.J. Stroud. So Alabama's QB and Ohio State's QB go one and two. And then on the clock at number seven, the Raiders, life after Derek Carr begins with Will Levis of Kentucky going number seven. I think most people think Levis is going to go in the top ten. You even sometimes in these mocks are now seeing Anthony Richardson, the dual threat quarterback from Mm -hmm. Florida, going as high as number nine to Carolina. That's where Todd McShay had him. For those of you that are curious, Washington at number six. Devin Weatherspoon, the corner from Illinois, who's a star uh, cover corner. So at middle of the first round, they got him going cornerback. Devin Weatherspoon out of Illinois. I've seen him. I mean, this is so early still, but I've seen him. I've seen Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State. I've seen a couple Another linemen mock the there. Way. Yeah, that, that's the running theme right now, right? Is Washington's either in the corner market in the draft or the offensive I, I just think offensive people don't want to don't want to assign a guard or a center at sixteen. Yep. So they're going to go corner because that's a huge need, but. Really, frankly, what they should do is, and, and if you can get a great corner, then no problem. You should always you just do it. Do that, but why not move back, get your lineman, and pick up more picks? That's what I would do. In this class, which is supposedly really, really good at the corner position, you could find value in the second or third round and get a guy like Benjamin St. Juice that could turn into something with some size and length. I'd rather move back, accumulate picks, make up for some of the mistakes you've made on deals like. I don't know, the Carson Wentz trade. Oh, that's one, yeah. And actually draft interior offensive line help that, that starts and plays right away. And you might get the best player in the country at number 22 overall at center or guard. Yeah, move back in the early 20s, get my guy Osiris Torrance from Florida. Is he your guy? He's my guy. I I'm saw, sure. Listen. I, I've never been more sure about anything than Osiris Torrance being you know I, You know how I do this. I saw them play that time. No. Yes. He's not your guy. He is. I, and I go, who's that? He's enormous. On When Anthony Richardson was running around making plays, I actually think it was the Florida-Kentucky game because I go, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. I'm going to watch this Will he Levis didn't play character. That game. Nah, nah, wait, maybe it wasn't I like just that. made that up. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> but I thought he did. 
A Florida-Kentucky game where right. Kentucky was running all over the place. And I, I remember this big, huge dude out in front. I said, this, I'm interested. I had no idea he'd be a first-rounder. put a flag in the ground. All it takes for me is one little teeny tiny sample, and I just decide that's the truth. I'm terrible at this. Sean Payton had things to say about how the mighty have fallen for the commanders in D.C. I've actually got a takeaway from what Payton said. We're going to get to that next on Grant and Danny. Raleigh Wizards are in Minnesota tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. So a light evening, D.C. sports-wise, ahead. Sean Payton on Radio Row was talking about Washington. He actually dropped the bombshell, heard around D.C., that prospective owners were reaching out to him to see if he would coach the commanders if they're able to take over and get the team and become the owners and buy the team from Dan Snyder. But it was something else he said that really caught my attention. Uh, This was the clip, in case you haven't heard it. This is Sean Payton. Last week, Radio Row ahead of the Super Bowl. For me, it was looking it was looking really closely at, at, at these teams, and then there was a, you know, there everyone's waiting to see what happens in Washington, and there there was some interest from some potential ownership groups that are going to be bidding on that currently a bid on that team that were getting ahead of the game, saying, wow. "Hey, you know, if we get awarded this team, would you?" And and so. There were a lot of different things at play. That's interesting. And and that's a place that's had great tradition. Like when I came into the league, Adam, my first two years were Philly. Of course, yeah. My next four years were New York Giants. So you know all about that. And then my next three were the Cowboys. That My whole entire NFL career prior to New Orleans was NFC, NFC East. And what happened to that program? Was that one that made you think a little bit? Listen, that place, my uncle loved the Washington franchise. Last year, we go there to play. And I'm pregame, I'm looking up in the crowd. A third of the fans are Saints fans. And I'm like, what happened to this place? Yeah. That was one of the sad. six that was one of the six pillars. They used to fight for tickets in divorces. I mean, for there's a fifty year wait list <sighs> to get tickets. It's that sad. Was, that was a special place. It was. So it'll come back. I hope so. So there's a lot in there, right? That's pretty amazing. And I think when this first got talked about last week, certainly on our show and I'm sure in other places. The news and the story, Danny, was what? The prospective owners, plural, were sniffing around Sean Payton to say, hey, what if we throw this thing together real quick? Do you want to be our head coach? (laughs) That's big. That's a big story. It means prospective owners think they might be getting the team Uh or getting their ducks in a row, that the process is ongoing, and that someone at least, but it sounds like a couple of someones, called Sean Payton as a possible candidate to be a head coach for the Commanders if they take over. So that's exciting, and I understand why that was the story. But the second part of that I actually thought was really interesting as well, and I don't know about if, if you had any of these same takeaways, but I, I jotted down some of his exact quotes. Talking about Washington, that's a place that had great tradition. What happened to that program? Question mark. He asked that. My uncle loved the Washington franchise. He went on to say when he was the coach of the Saints, this was last season, his final year, we go there, a third of the fans were Saints fans. What happened? He was asking himself on the field. He said Mm -hmm. they were one of the six pillars, meaning at one point in time, according to Sean Payton, in his opinion, they were one of the six most influential organizations in the NFL. And then he closed things out with Adam Shine on Sirius XM, and that was from Mad Dog Radio. He said that was a special place. It'll come back. I think that when I heard that, it kind of triggered a thought for me that 
I wonder how many other GM types, coach types, maybe even if it trickles all the way down to players, although I'm not sure if it relates to them, because a lot of players now, frankly, might not even remember yeah. when they were the bee's knees. But there might be a lot of GM and head coach types that have no interest in this team now that as soon as they have a new owner, suddenly would be. And I just kind of wonder if they get a new owner, do they automatically become the cool kids again? There's a chance. Do they automatically get back into the club, or is is that take winning in some way? Like the, the moment that Dan's out, and let's just say Josh Harris buys the team at six point seven five billion. Does a Sean Payton want to work with you? Does I'm just picking a random GM candidate, but let's just say um, a Chris Ballard who would say absolutely not Washington under Dan Snyder, no way. Would he want to come here if he's out in Indianapolis, or does it not happen overnight? It could, and the example I think of is Mark Cuban. He takes over the Dallas Mavericks, a, a morbid, struggling franchise, and he's like, I'm going to get the players nice travel bags. I'm going to have the nicest facilities in the sport. I'm going to spend on all the ancillary stuff that nobody sees. Players will see. Agents will see. Guys will know. I'm going to make this a cool spot. They didn't win right away, but it was still kind of the cool place to go. It went from bare bones, again, like kind of uh, – dated sort of stuff to the happening place in the league. And you turned yourself into a buzz city that way, right? All culminating in a championship and, and, and a couple of good players and some of the good runs with the good teams. That can happen. If you roll in and go send a wrecking ball to Ashburn because that place is terrible at this point, I'm starting over. We're going to build the best facility in the sport. That People notice that kind of stuff. You make a big show of it. So, yeah, it could be cool right away. Long-term, the best cure is, is winning a bunch. At least you have a chance to do that now with a new owner. But to me, this is about you can have the cool factor if you flash some cash. Grant and Danny on the fan. So here's the question, 800-636-1067. If Dan Snyder sells, do the commanders immediately become a destination organization again? When that sale becomes final overnight, do they become a destination org or do they have to win again first to, to undo some of the, the damage? Sean Payton made it sound like he viewed Washington as a renovation project where he would have been able to be the guy to come in here and fix this moldy, rundown gym. How sought after might GM and head coach and quarterback openings be here in the near future? If a new owner is doing the hiring and it's not Dan Snyder, that's the question for you guys at 800-636-1067. Really want to hear what you think about that on the MGM National Harbor listener lines, 800-636-1067. Plus, we got more XFL tickets to the D.C. Defenders will be given away at the end of next segment and at the end of our show. That's next on Grant and Danny. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.